Good afternoon, community. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Saturday at God Squad Church. I always have myself unmuted on stream for some reason. Um, welcome back. Uh, I'm so glad to be able to be with you guys this uh, this afternoon, and uh, I've missed you guys. I know I've got to talk to a lot of you individually, but us as a as a whole have not been able to get together, obviously. And so seeing you guys today, being a part of today, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited that I get to bring you a word that's been on my heart. Uh, today's message is is I hopefully I, I I hope it's a good one for you, um, and I pray that the Lord uh, softens your heart and you learn today as we learn and we grow together. Um, this last week has been has been tough. Uh, it's been tough for our community. It's been tough for our community. It's been tough as a whole. It's been tough as leadership, and I don't think I've ever walked through something this difficult in my life. And I don't say that easily, um, in, in any way, shape, or form. This has been tremendously, tremendously hard, and uh, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that uh, God has placed me uh, surrounded by the people that He's surrounded me by. The fact that I get to be a part of this community uh, that's life-giving and, and good. Uh, the fact that we have this space on the interwebs to be together. That God has a plan for God Squad Church beyond today. And we have just a community full of Jesus-loving, God-fearing people. And we also have some crazies. We, we definitely still have our crazies. I'm not going to say which one of you guys are the crazies. I'll let you guys figure that out for yourselves. Um, but honestly, I, I never thought I'd be in this situation. And uh, to be really fair with you, we're, we're new to this. This is not, not, not familiar to anyone I know because we're doing uh, these things on an online church. And this situation as a whole is not one that you know, I have a book that I can go to and just navigate and figure out. We had to spend time with Jesus and try to figure it out. And so many of you guys have been so humble and so kind. And it's um, it's baffling to me that uh, we have that. We have that support. And uh, it means the world to me. We've made mistakes. Uh, we're learning together as we go through this. And so, so many of you are helping us along the way and teaching us so many things. And I'm going to be addressing some of the, the, the serious decisions we made um, uh, yesterday during that 2 p.m. stream. And uh, I have some apologies to make. And um, honestly, I, I I have some just remorse within the whole situation because um, there's mistakes made. And so please, uh, I, I hope you're here for the sermon, but I hope that that uh, blesses you as well because um, I have some things I have to make right. And uh, sometimes that's that's how it is as people, and I don't think I know everything, nor uh, will I ever stand in that place. And so we're always learning. But uh, could I pray before we start? I just want to give God the glory for today that we get to get together, that there is 109 of you. Let me give some shout outs. Dragon Stars here, that's Slife, Vic Sigma, Mercy Edge. Who else we got in here? Romans, Lex Brig. Uh, I can't read. Snow Katrina, The Rock Rules. What's going on? What's going on? I can't read. I just lost my reading ability right there. Um, I'm so thankful that you guys are here. Thank you. Thank you for being here. So let's pray. Jesus, we need you today. We need your strength. We need your empowerment. Father, we need you to open up the, 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 the door in our heart to hear what you have for us. Allow us to see clearly what you want to speak to us today. I pray that this message would be unique to the hearer, that it would move them in such a way that there would be life change and that every purpose of this sermon would be to take steps towards you, Christ. We need you, Jesus, in our lives. We need you more. We need less of us and more of you. And God, I just pray that you would um, use me. I am a vessel for you. And so use me, allow me to be used in this situation. Um, let it not be my words, but let them be your words. Let your wisdom flow, let your Holy Spirit guide. And we pray these things in your holy name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. Can I get some amens in the chat? Can I get some amens? You know, the streaming thing does not come natural to me because I don't do it very often, but man, I love just being able to be with you guys and be able to bring, uh, uh, look at the amens, I love that. 
And I love that you can just do it on your own and like it's not like interrupting anybody and no one's like, well, you're being too loud. You know what I mean? I just love that. And so today's message I've entitled The Heart of Humility. The Heart of Humility. And I'm going to start it off with a, uh, with a definition of what humility is. And so the world's definition or maybe the Webster's Dictionary definition of humility is a modest or low view of one's own importance. A modest or low view of one's own importance. Let that sink in for a second. I really like the way that C.S. Lewis puts this because he said, humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Rewind. It's not thinking like I'm a bad, terrible person, uh, that I'm not good at anything. It's thinking of myself in the situations putting myself last. It's, it's taking myself from it and giving that thanks somewhere else. It's thinking less about you. And I'm telling you that that could help you in so many areas of your life. That is one of the most forgiving ways that I dispel anxiety from myself is when I turn my eyes off of me and I begin to focus them on Jesus. I'm not saying that is a cure for anxiety. I'm not saying that's a cure for everything, but I'm saying for me and how I deal with the anxiety that I feel is by saying, it's not about you, TJ. It's not about you, Daylight. It's, it's about God. It's about him. And turning your, your, your focus towards him, it's truly, truly can be absolutely life-changing. And so life is a series of lessons. Uh, when you begin to think we have it all figured out is when we truly we've lost. A deadly way to live life is thinking you are the one that matters most. The world would say that is the correct way to live. That you need to focus on yourself. And that's the thing that you need to really be. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be making yourself better. But oftentimes making ourselves better means of giving up control and actually allowing God to take control. And so the most important thing you can do in all of it, is give up that control. But the most important thing you can do as a Christian is learn how to love. And we say that word all the time that is used in probably most sermons. But love has the power to change the course of your life and the course of the lives of the people you touch. It really, really does. But see, the, the two don't disconnect. Humility and love have to be in the same boat or they don't work. See, without humility, you can't love. Love means looking beyond the self to the other. Love without humility is narcissism. Which would mean it's not love at all. Because we know love is selfless, as the Bible tells us. Humility without love is impossible. Humility without love is impossible. It's just not, you need both. They're connected. They are a part of each other. And this is what people often get mixed up in is we're talking about things like we're like, oh, all I need is this. But it's like a domino effect in the kingdom of God where when we talk about the fruit of the spirit, which they're not called the fruits of the spirit, they're called the fruit of the spirit. To have one, you kind of have to have the others. Like they all belong in the same family. It is a well-rounded diet. And so they cannot be connected or they cannot be unconnected. Humility and love, they have to be shared. And so I feel like my entire life has been a, a learning lesson and a, a drive-through, a car wash drive-through of, of flashes and events of learning how and really just life teaching me humility. And I'm not saying that I am humble, but I'm saying I've been on a journey of humility for a very long time. And just because I've been through so many seasons of those, of, of those humility trying times still doesn't mean I learned from them. And I look back now, even from years ago, and I still learn lessons from the things that God was taking me through. Like in the season, I was probably, I was probably like, what? God, I'm not like... I don't understand why this is happening. And then I might've been mad about it. I might've been angry because I was going through a tough situation. And I'm just like, God, like what is going on? And then like five years later, God's like, remember that time? And I'm like, 
Oh no, I remember that time. <laughs> it was not a good time. It was hurtful and painful and, and it was a struggle. And God's like, yeah, that's because you were weak. And not because you were weak in me. Like, like you were actually weakly thinking through it. You, you weren't strong in the fruit of the spirit. You weren't strong in love. You weren't strong in humility. And I'm like, oh, that's why that season of my life was so rough. And, and why, you know, I messed so many things up and why I, I still suffer from some of the consequences I made in that day. And he's like, yeah, dummy. <laughs> yeah, dummy. See, my wife's been in my life for a very long time. I've been with my wife. I am 31 years old and I've been with my wife more than half my life. I've been with my wife for 16 years. 16 years, which is a roller coaster. We've truly grown up, grown up together. Excuse me. We've truly grown up together. She has seen me since I was a literal boy to turning into a man. We've went through all the different seasons and changes that come with and hormone changes and shifting and like just growing up. Like I wasn't even fully like formed until I was 26. Right? Like my body hadn't even stopped growing. She's been with me through all of that. So <laughs> we've seen each other through all of these seasons and all of these mistakes. And, you know, you're constantly in a season of like, I need to forgive that old person because you're not that person anymore. You're new. You're different. But some of the things I'm, I'm quite ridiculous in my marriage. And um, my, my, my wife makes fun of me for a multitude of reasons. And if your wife doesn't make fun of you, she doesn't love you. I truly do believe that. I think there needs to be some uh, joking in your relationship. You need to have times to be able to laugh. There needs to be joy. Um, but to be honest, sometimes I'm a bit ridiculous. I'm a little crazy. I might come downstairs, you know, dance into like Mariah Carey. Or I might, you know, just the most random stuff. You know, singing loud, making ridiculous noises. Just being ridiculous for no reason sometimes. Acting like a kid. And so sometimes I, I come to my wife and I say things like, you know what, Jack? My wife's name is Jackie. You know what, Jack? Like, I really think I could do surgery. And she's, she's like, what did you just say? Like, like I could do surgery, Jackie. Like, like I could perform surgery 100%. Like I should have been a doctor. I could do that. <laughs> and she's humbly like, she doesn't call me daylight, but she's like, TJ, no, you can't. I was like, Jackie, I'm telling you, I could do surgery. If there was no more doctors, all right, and you were stuck and you were having and you needed heart surgery, I could do it. And she's like, you 100% could not do heart surgery. And in the moment, I, I start to like really defend the argument. I'm like, yes, I could. I've watched Grey's Anatomy. I've watched two YouTube videos. Like, I could do this. And I would love to tell you that I'm, like, not partially being serious. But part of me is like, man, I could do that. And confidence isn't a bad thing. But, but, but foolishness is. And my wife's like, she'll literally just roll her eyes and like walk away. She'll just be like, yeah, right, I, can't even, I can't even have a civil conversation with you right now. Confidence is great. Humility and confidence can go together. They can work hand in hand. Humility is realizing the frailty of who I am. It's realizing all the things I can't do and realizing who gives me the things that I can do. Humility is humbling. See, a lot of you guys understand humility because you play video games. And I like to, you know, <laughs> teach my kids lessons of humility through video games. If I'm playing Super Smash Brothers with my oldest daughter, I am not letting her win. 100% she's not beating me. She's not. I'm not giving her the chance to beat me. Chat, I'm not going to lie. She's beat me once. She's beat me. My nine-year-old has taken me out in a competitive video game. And it was hard for me to swallow. But I'm not taking it easy. 
Like she's not getting any free wins. When she wins, she can celebrate like she just won the Super Bowl because she knows I haven't taken it easy. She has learned how to play because I've always been able to really just let loose. And it's not in a in a, in a in a tormenting like dominating sense like ha 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 I'm so much great like it's, I wanted her to learn, and I learned something when I started doing jujitsu. I learned that black belts often will put themselves at a power level just one step above you to help you to learn. So they're not going their full board like you know just trying to destroy your life. They're just one step ahead of you to teach you, and to train you. And in that, that lesson is what I've been trying to do for my daughter for years in a lot of the things we do. And so when she does win, when you do, do pull off an, a, an amazing victory, it changes everything. Some of you guys love being, you know, in, in these seasons of humility and learning humbling lessons. Like, I know we got some fans in the chat today. We have some fans of Dark Souls. And <laughs> you guys just like pain. You like to be humbled in, in, your, in, your, game, in your gaming sessions. I want to win. I want to be someone that like has a victory sense. Some of you are like, nah, I want to get into a game and just die over and over and over again. And I applaud you because you have learned the art of humility in gaming. That's not for me. Uh, that is for sure. But I've learned my fair share of lessons. You know, I play games that, uh, that, that humble you because I'm a competitive person. And so other being humbled by my nine-year-old daughter, I've been humbled a thousand times in League of Legends. Where like I was on a roll, people were like hyping me up. They're like, yo, you just went 30 and five. You're insane. You're so good. And then the next game I go literally like, oh, and 15. And I have zero kills and 15 deaths and I literally fed and my team's like, what's going on? And I'm like, dude, I'm terrible at this game. Lessons in humility. Humility is being able to recognize your lack. It's being able to recognize your lack. It's looking at your inner self and realizing that you are, you have frailty. That is humanity at its peak. So what does humanity look like in, in the Christian realm? What does humanity look like? What has God taught us about humanity? I want to go over some of those things and, and leave you with some, some points to take home today. And one of the things I wanted to start off by talking about is the kingdom of God is upside down when compared to the world. The humble are awarded the first place prize. It literally says the first shall be last. The Bible says the, the meek are considered great. Our world would tell you the meek are weak. In the Bible, submitting is an act of power. In the world, submitting is saying you lost. See, the frame reference that we live in as Christians is upside down. God's kingdom is upside down, or really it's right side up, and the world is upside down. But for our frame of reference, it looks different than what you're normally taught. And we can see this in Matthew 23, 11 through 12. It says, but the greatest of you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. And whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Think of this this way. Classically, the hierarchy of leadership, right? As we see it, is like a pyramid. You have your leaders on top, and then you have their, the, the leaders underneath them, and then they have their staff, and then they have people underneath them. Right? And then it's like the, the general populace. That's how you see... The, the, the normal hierarchy within maybe, you know, in America or wherever you live. That's the norm. The business norm. But in God's kingdom, it looks completely flipped upside down. In God's kingdom, 
the triangle is flipped upside down. And so the people that were on top of the pyramid are really on the bottom of the pyramid and they're serving the people underneath them, which are really above them. And that's hard for us to get our minds wrapped around. But my job as one of the leaders and, and sitting on the lead team at God Squad Church is to serve you. Servant leadership. See, servant leadership is a godly principle, but not often a worldly one. And I would say that humility is the start, the first step to beginning to learn the art of servanthood. And so as a leader, when you say you're a leader, you put yourself in a place, whether it's your job or whether you might be a manager somewhere, maybe, you know, you're the, you're, you're, you're the person in your household and you and your wife are leading together. Like whatever that looks like, it means your job is to serve. And our jobs is like parents is to serve our kids. Our jobs as managers is to serve our employees. So I would say, if you ask me, what is one of the, the ways that we can recognize humility is we recognize humility in serving others. Serving others is one of those stakes in the ground, flags that we can wave that says that is an act of humility. In John 13, 8, going through down to 15, I'm going to touch on a, a bunch of different areas in that. But basically the idea is that Jesus is washing the feet of his disciples. He comes in and he has a cloth around his waist and he, he begins to kneel down and, and begin to wash the feet of the disciples. And, and Peter's like, whoa, 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 hey, 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 we ain't doing that. I, I'm not letting you wash my feet. Like, that would make you, you're beneath me. Like, it, no, Jesus, let me wash your feet. If you're going to wash me, wash my whole body. Like, I'm not worthy for you to, to, to wash my feet. Do something so humble, so, so much humility in getting down on your hands and feet and touching one of the dirtiest parts of someone's body, especially in that day and age when they would walk around in sandals and soot would be in their, on their feet all day long. And it was humbling. And Jesus said, this is an example. And, and he goes further down and he says, when Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. See, Jesus in that moment was showing you what it looks like to be a servant. He was showing you what it looks like to love one another, how to be humble, that even though he was who he said he was, and he confirms it in that statement, that you need to understand that you must wash each other's feet I've just given you this example because this is an example of the love and the servanthood that you should have for each other. Another example that Jesus uses is in Luke. And before I jump into Luke, I, I want to talk about that idea where this idea of of, of Putting yourself to a place that is servant, is servanthood, is, is driven by servanthood, is powerful. To, to be someone that has that standard that I'm going to serve you rather than lord over you is something to be admired. It's something that we need to have in our hearts and in our lives because it matters. And so as we move on into Luke and we look at how Jesus talks about a different principle, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna give you like a a thing like when we talk about humility, it's like if you walk into a party and you just like walk over to the dessert table and they have and you just start eating cake. That's the opposite of humility. Humility would look like you being putting yourself the last in the line when everybody else is getting food, making sure everybody else is taken care of before yourself. That's a a a, a way to see humility. Maybe a better way to look at it is, is when Jesus does talk in Luke, in, in Luke 14, 7 through 11. He told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they would choose the best place for themselves. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, don't sit in the place of honor because a more distinguished person than you may have been invited by your host. The one who invited both of you may come and say to you, Give your place to this man and then humiliation, you'll proceed to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when the one who invited you comes, he will say to you, friend, move up higher. You will then be honored in the presence of all the guests for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I'm going to read that last scripture verse. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. If you walk up into the party and you're like, yo, the birthday boys, I'm just going to go sit behind. I'm the, I'm the greatest one in this. And then they're like, yo, yo, move out, move out the way, bro. Like my, my, my brother's actually going to sit here. You'd be like, oh, my bad, my bad. Uh, sorry, man. Um, let me, let me go pull up another chair. <laughs> It'd be awkward. But if you come into the party and you sit the farthest seat away, right? And, and you're, you're the furthest away. And the person's like, where's, where, where's daylight? Like, I, I want him up here. I want him, I want him in the picture. I want him to help me blow the candles out. Like, it's a whole different situation. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And the one who humbles himself will be exalted. See, humility often looks like giving up your preference. My preference would be, of course, to be next to the person why I'm, I'm coming here. Of course, to be the first one to get in line. Look at me. I love food. But humility teaches us a different thing. It teaches us to value others' opinions even more than you do your own. It teaches us to put others before ourselves. Put your preference last. Yes, you may like the fan on at night, uh, fan on at night but your wife doesn't. You might like the degree in your house to be 85 degrees, but your wife might not or your husband may not. You might have the preference to play, you know, country music in the car, but your husband, your wife may not. Sometimes putting your preference down is one of the most unifying things you can do. Putting your preference down is a walk of humility. Because you're sacrificing what you would choose so that others can have their way. Humility. <laughs> Mercy has country music. <laughs> that one was a little personal. My wife loves country music and I'm not the biggest fan. <laughs> I hope she's listening. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's a joke. It's a joke. I love you. I love you, Jacqueline. You don't walk in and sit in the seat of honor. You wait until you're placed there. Better yet, you sit at the lowest spot because you expect there's someone more prestigious than yourself. See, one of the things humility does is it, it allows us to leave room for God to work in us. Humility allows us to leave room for God to work in us. You need to pay attention right here. Lean in. We do not ever want to become full of ourselves. We want to instead become full of God. The process of making room in yourself is the process of emptying yourself of yourself and allowing God in. And that happens through the art of gratitude and submission. You've heard of it before. That person's full of themselves. We should not be people full of ourselves. We should be people full of God. If you live your life in a way where you allow humility to make room in you, 
which is an emptying of yourself, you will then allow God to be able to fill you up and become the person he has created you to be. Humility. And that is all figured out when we learn to submit ourselves to saying, I am not in control, God. You are in control. It is when we have the ability to say, I am thankful for where you've allowed me to be. Preaching in front of you today, online in a gamer church, is a privilege and an honor. This is a gift from God. Gratitude. Thankfulness. The fact that you are in this room, that you had the ability to find this place, that maybe someone invited you, that you found a stream that brought you here. Thankfulness to God. When we realize all that we can do in life is submit ourselves to the Lord and learn to be full of gratitude and gratefulness and thankfulness. In that, that's when we learn truly how to walk with him. John the Baptist said it this way. He must increase and I must decrease. We're talking about someone who is in the desert that came as really the pronunciation of Jesus coming. He was gifted the prophetic opportunity to talk about the king of kings. His job was important. John the Baptist was honored in the same way Jesus was in his day, where he had to say, no, 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 no. It's him, not me. You need to understand, I must decrease so he can increase. He's the one you need to have your attention on. Pay attention to him, not me. And in any way, shape, or form, in anywhere in your life, you're allowing something else to be that increase, and you are not allowing it to decrease so you can see over it and see where God is. There's a problem, and that might be within you. That problem might be because you haven't decreased to allow him to increase in your life. If you're all the way filled up with full of yourself, then you will never have room for him. He must increase. I must decrease. Humility is a realization of your humanity. I cannot do this on my own. Only through God. Only in Him. Only in Him do I have the strength to stand. Only in Him do I have the power to lead. Only in Him. As you're walking through humility and you're having a realization of the frailty of your humanity, And even how your riches are but dirty rags when compar in comparison to the Lord. It reframes how we live our lives. It changes the way we walk, the way we hold our head. We no longer hold our head up high because we're proud to be full of ourselves. We hold our head up high because we're proud to be His. Humility looks like giving up control. That's what that is, chat. The emptying of yourself is giving up control and recognizing who is Lord. Humility is serving others. Humility is giving up your preference. Humility looks like giving up control. one of the things we never want to foster at God Squad Church is the idea that this is dictated by leadership. God has appointed our leadership to be able to help guide, to be able to help move in the ways that he has called us to. To be able, the way I put it is he has created us so that we can foster healthy environments so that you can thrive. As a leader, it's my job to lead. And as people, it's your job to minister. 
So that means that there is, I am just human. Pastor Balls is just human. And we make mistakes. And on that stream yesterday, we made mistakes. Our team made, made a bad decision. And we heard you guys. I heard people that I have had DM me or call me crying because this is such a difficult position and such a, but they, they honored us and they came to us in humility. And they disagreed with yesterday's decisions. And I understand. I hear you. And as a team, we heard you. And it was hard. It's hard being a leader trying to be there and, and, and be a, a strong voice in our community and say sorry. But that's what God has called us to do. And so I wanted to apologize. I wanted to apologize for us making a mistake. I've had the opportunity to talk to Mama Higgs and she understands, even though it's hard to understand, that she has to find a new church home to be able to move in her calling. And none of that in any way, shape, or form downplays all of what God has for her. God has called her to great and mighty things. And none of that takes away all the things she's done. If you know Mama Higgs, you know she's full of love. She loves people deep that she worked herself to the bone to be able to be there for the teenagers of Palace Youth, to be able to be there for our young adults. Many of you have had deep conversations and gotten through tough times, and she deserves honor for that. And I apologize that yesterday I didn't give her the honor she deserved. Sin does not take away all of the great things we have done, nor does it dictate our future in terms of how we can move forward. It might dictate the way we get there. Yes, there's consequence to sin. Some of the things we heard from the community yesterday is that, why is her family being re removed? Like, why are we asking her family to go with her in terms of her younger kids? And from our standpoint and our decision, the, the reason we made that choice was because we truly, truly felt like it, it was theological. It made sense in our head as in terms of unity. But some of the things we didn't take into account was like, we're not a brick and mortar church. And I know that sounds so stupid to so many of you but we're innovating the space. This is new for so many of us and we're walking this out together. And so we handled it in the, in the, in the way where we're like, well, of course her kids should be where she is, but, but technically they can go show where she is and be here and be present and still be fed. And in the term of them being able to go there, like in, in the, one of the hardest parts of their life, we shouldn't take that away from them. And that's so fair. Many of you don't know, but I have a great relationship with Maddie Ice and with Eliza. I mean, I play games with them all the time. And I love them dearly and they know that. So even going through that and having to say those things were so hard for me. And it was a process that I hated walking through. But it was a mistake. And for that, I'm sorry. 
and I'm sorry to the Higgins kids that we made a decision that was poor. It was a poor decision. I truly think our reasoning was in our hearts, like healthy. We, we were trying to make a healthy decision. But I think in the execution of that decision, we didn't think of all the variables. We messed up. And I'm sorry. I really, really am to the bottom of my heart. Because I know this was hard for so many people. And I want you to know the people that got to speak into our, our lives yesterday and got to just, they didn't come to us yelling at us or mad. They came to us and just wanted to have a conversation. It meant the world to us. That they just reached out and said, I just don't get it. And I hear you. And our team has decided that it, it's best to let the kids of the Higgins families be a part of our community. They can be here and they can have the healthy relationships that they have. That there can still be separation because of our online community. With, you know, Mama Higgs going to a different place and that, you know, her family most likely will, will be there with her as well because our church is different. We heard you. It wouldn't have made sense if we were to apply other people to the situation and we never meant it to be that way. Honestly, in this entire, this entire situation, we have just wanted people to be whole. We've wanted people to be healthy. The things I can promise you, we're gonna make mistakes. I am not infallible. I've been placed here by God, but I am still just a vessel. And I am just as broken as many of you. And we can mess up. And for that, we're sorry. God has been teaching us a lot through this process and through this situation and just through, you know, even the last week. I mean, I feel like I've been back in, back in, uh, I don't even know how to say it. Like, I'm back in training again. And I can, you know, I feel like I'm back in Bible college, but learning the hard lessons we never were taught. And so I'm just thankful for you guys' patience, your ability to have good conversation with us, to be with us. We don't know everything, and we'll always keep an open ear and be quick to correct the mistakes we make. The greatest moment of humility in history has been shown to us by Jesus. He walked an incredibly difficult journey, and he didn't need to. But he chose to still walk through that journey. He chose to still take it upon himself when he could have stopped it. He could have used his power to stop it, and he didn't. He is the ideal picture to understand and, and reap an image of humility. As he walked through the greatest injustice in human history, as he walked to his death when he was blameless, with all the power to stop, this atrocity he chose not to. Because he knew that his agony, his pain, was going to be worth it. Because it allowed humanity to be reconciled with God. And he could have chose himself, but instead he chose you. He chose me. Even though we make mistakes over and over and over and over again. Even though God knew every sin that we would commit, even after his death, 
he still saw it fit to die for you and to die for me. And in that is the beauty of our relationship with God and why we can call ourselves Christians and have eternal life. Jesus sees you, he loves you, and he wants so much more for you. Chase after him. And if you're here today and you have thoughts, if you've been thinking, what does life look like? I can't do this journey on my own anymore. And you don't know Jesus. I want you to know that he is here for you, that he, he would love to be a part of your life, that he desires to have a relationship with you. And you can have that relationship with him. All it takes is saying, Lord, I realize that I can't do this on my own, that I've made mistakes in the past, but I'm going to put my faith in you as my God, as my King, as my Lord. That's what that looks like. So if you're here today and, and you want to have a relationship with Jesus, if you want to take that walk, I want to give you the opportunity. And so I'm going to pray and allow you guys to pray along with me. And this is for everybody. I think it it's good for our souls to be able to submit them to God. And it's a good realization of the prayer we said maybe many years ago. So today, if you want to put your faith in Jesus and you want to start on the incredible journey that it is to be in relationship with God, would you repeat, repeat this prayer after me? Not that my words have any more significance than your own, but I'm just here to help guide you. Jesus, today, I realize I need you. I've tried it on my own. Would you forgive me of my sin? Lord, would you help me? I put my faith in you as the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. The greatest thing about that prayer, the greatest thing about Jesus is that that starts now for you that you have the ability to have that relationship with him today. And that he loves you deeply. And I would love to be able to connect with you if you've made that decision today. Our entire vision of our church is to help gamers come to know God, to experience community, to discover their purpose, to make a difference. And we want that for you. And so in the chat, someone will put up the command, next level, thank you. You click on that link and you can follow those steps. We'd love to connect with you. We're never going to harass you. We just want to kind of guide you in that decision you've made. That would be absolutely awesome. And uh, I'm so excited for you. I'm excited for the future for you and what God has in store. For the rest of you guys that have made that decision before in your lives, to allow Jesus into your heart, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to be slower to think you're right. I want to challenge you to take in what trusted others have to say. I want you to be quick to repent and slow to think you know anything. In that a truly submitted heart can do incredible things. If you get anything from today's sermon, that it would be a realization of your humanity and that God wants to fill you up. 
but that takes you actively submitting and living a life of thankfulness, of gratitude towards him. That's the amazing thing that we get to walk in as Christians. These are the amazing lessons that God is teaching us each and every day. And when we're truly able to submit and we're able to have thankfulness and realize what those situations are, our tomorrows change. And I'm excited to, to hear the stories from each of you about what that looks like, of what those interactions look like in the weeks to come. And please send them to us. We love to hear, you know, your testimony and, and what God is doing in your heart and in your life. And so I love y'all. I'm so thankful to be part of this community. The fact that I have the honor and privilege to be with you is mind-blowing to me. That we're doing this online and we're innovating and moving forward and we're learning together and we're growing. I love you guys. And as always, if no one's told you they love you today, wait a second. I'm not done. God has a great vision for you. He has a heart for you. I feel like the Lord's speaking to me to tell you we're on pursuit. That we are moving to a place of getting after our vision again. He has a vision for our church, and we do not want to steward it unwell. We want to steward it well. He loves you incredibly. And as we've walked through a hard week, this next week, I'm trusting God to do bigger and better things. I'm trusting to see people come to know the Lord, to see your gifts used. And so I really felt in my heart that I should say that. And so God sees you, he hears you, and we're moving forward as a church, as a community, to continue chasing after his vision, to reach gamers with the gospel so they can know God, they can experience community, discover purpose, and make a difference. If no one's told you they love you today, I love you my whole heart. Bye, guys.